Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive, we nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. The Webster's Dictionary definition of community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. When building a community in the classroom, students are able to come together as a class to work towards the common goal of learning. It helps students feel valued and connected to the teacher and other students in their class. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Lynn Shabbat, a teacher for over 30 years with a master's degree in special education. She's the author of soon-to-be-published Connections, A Journey in Love and Autism with 1010 Publishers. She's a mother of three daughters and a new granddaughter. Her youngest was diagnosed with autism after she had been teaching for over 17 years, specializing in ABA and autism with severe behaviors. Currently, she's a preschool special needs teacher and was recognized last year as Teacher of the Year. So, Lynn, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience as a special education teacher and about building the community in the classroom? Okay, um, I'd love to do that. I've been teaching um, for quite a long time, and I've taught all the grades, high school, middle school, elementary, and for the last eight years, I've been teaching the special needs pre-K, which has really given me a chance to um, go backwards as far as where I see kids having deficits at the middle school, at the high school level. And so now I'm starting again from the beginning. And these are just things I've noticed that having a sense of um, responsibility to mommy and daddy, to the teacher, to Mm -hmm. the classroom, starts to build on their social skills. And, Mm -hmm. of course, our little ones have some deficits to that area. So I just, um, you know, I kind of look for opportunities where we can promote that. Absolutely. I think that's necessary in the classroom and at home. And, you know, when we talk about building a community, really, it's just a a common group of people, right? Sharing interests and with one specific goal in mind. And I think it can start at home. And then people like yourself who have such gifts for our little ones can incorporate that in the classroom as well. And so it just keeps feeding that community theme. Absolutely. I mean, even if you're looking at um, how our children learn the cleanup song, whether it's Barney or whoever, it's always a team effort. It's something we can jump in together and do. And and the ultimate result is our classroom is clean and we're ready for the next you know transition that we're going to do. And so they can share in that sense of why they're doing it, not just because, you know, a grown-up is saying, follow this instruction or do this task. It's not a task for them to do alone. It's for the whole group, let's get it together and let's clean our own play area, our own classroom, because this belongs to all of us and building on Mm -hmm. that ownership at, at even a young age. Sure. And so do you work with parents a lot in engaging them in the, the building of the community as well? I definitely do. Uh, one of the, the joys of this age is that I have a lot of time with um, morning drop-off and afternoon. I have some three-year-olds that go home midday, so I have a little more time it's, you know, uh, at the lunchtime so I can talk to parents. And I ask them, you know, 
what's next in your schedule? Are you going home to take a nap or are you going to the park? You know, what does your schedule look like? And I just try to let them know that, um, you know, especially working moms like all of us Mm -hmm. with hectic schedules and other siblings at home, how to incorporate this. Like I have many moms that say their child cannot sit down at the table. Well, Mm -hmm. then have them engaged. You know, you're unloading the dishwasher, you know, kind of using an ABA format or discrete trial format. Put with same. Here's the spoon. Put another spoon away and another spoon. And you've helped mommy and great job. And I mean, it's not the most effective (laughs) sometimes, Mm -hmm. but you're teaching as well. So that really is the point of it. And I think it's starting somewhere, right? So it may take 45 minutes to unload the dishwasher the first time. But then over a period of time, that will, uh, and and I think that they love, I know my son just loves to please, you know? And so when he feels like he's helping out, he's so proud of himself. Absolutely, absolutely. I always say of my three children that when I'm helping my daughter, um, Brianna, that she's the only one that will help mommy do chores with a smile on her face. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else is giving me grief, but... Yeah. With her, you know, I do believe, especially as they, when they're young and even as they grow older, you know, my daughter's 18 now, that she wants to participate. She doesn't want to just wait to be entertained. She wants to be part of our home, and that's that's what I strive for. Um, my lines are, are constantly blended between professional and personal, and my preschoolers and my 18-year-old daughter now, but I've done this with her, and that's mm-hmm. why I know that it's important. Sure. And at what age? And I know it depends on a child's development level as well. But what age for kids that are on the spectrum, if they are able to meet some of these needs, what's an appropriate age to really start engaging them with this? Um, I believe, you know, depending on their receptive language, um, so many of our children do understand almost everything that's going on around them and are just unable to communicate that to others. But, um, you know, I like to believe in assume competency, that our children are understanding mm-hmm. what we're saying. So, you know, two, three, and four, um, just depending. You know, some two-year-olds are still very much babies, and, and that's okay, then, then the participating with mommy in the kitchen or even in a um, daycare setting can more be about play, you know, let's put all the apples together, or let's, you know, matching and sorting and more of a, you know, an academic task um, as opposed to, you know, really understanding what we're cleaning up now, but it can start, you know, at that age as long as they have that understanding, and, and they let us know, you know, if you mm. say, go bring me your favorite to Elmo, and they run off across the room and go get it for you, you know they've understood you. <laughs> right. If they can get <laughs> Elmo, they can put the spoon in the dishwasher, right? Exactly. Oh. Exactly. There's a grocery store, like grocery shopping. I know our little store has those little grocery carts that are so cute and they have a little yes. flag at the top. And my son thinks those are the best things ever. Now, we do have to work on our shopping cart etiquette, (laughs) meaning that we don't run over people. people. (laughs) We're working on it, but everyone in the grocery store has had a smile on their face thus far. 
And Absolutely. but he he loves doing that and putting the items in the shopping cart and even when we get to check out, putting them on the little conveyor belt, he thinks is just a real hoot. It is, and, it, and it's obviously a start, and it's such a typical behavior. I mean, all the grocery stores that have that, they're not just for our kids on the spectrum. You know, all my other two daughters that are older, um, you know, when they came out in the stores, we used those, and it was just fun to be mommy's little helper and put a little something in their basket. But, um, you know, it's also just promoting that independence and... Um, you know, and participation in the whole grocery shopping process. Because through the years, um, especially um, as the ch- children get older, you know, parents have such a hard time going to the store because the child will yeah. see something they want and tantrums will, you know, appear. And it can become a nightmare for them. You just want to get home and yeah. cook dinner. And, you know, how do you get through that 20-minute, you know, either a learning opportunity or a pure chaos. And I think by allowing our children to be part of the process, that reduces the, you know, those behaviors. Oh, absolutely. I think there are times I've, I've given him my phone, you know, just, and I feel like the lazy parent, you know, here's my phone. I just need to get to the, through the grocery store and get home because, you know, I'm a single mom as well. So, I think we were talking a little bit before, logistics are everything for me. So I'm constantly looking at my phone, checking on the time. I've got 20 minutes. We need to go in here. We need to check this off the list. Then we need to go home. We need to fix dinner. We need a bath. It's just go, 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 go. And it's easy for me to get caught up into just looking at the clock instead of really being in the moment. A lot of times, and I need to, even myself, and this is just an open confession, I need to myself learn how to take advantage of those opportunities, even if it's the 20 minutes that I have scheduled to be at the grocery store, to bring him into it. Exactly. And it could be, you know, a lot of times there's little tricks. Like I know when Bree was little and I had that little... um, the quilted comforter that went into the shopping cart, or at least they had the shopping cart that had the, um, like, looked like a little car, and it would entertain her for a while with the the steering wheel. I mean, her Mm -hmm. and all my children. But I would do things like give them, um, you know, a plastic bag and say, open, open, and that would keep them busy for a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Little tricks. (laughs) Absolutely. My son liked the Flintstone vitamins, and so we, I would get the little thing of Flintstone vitamins, and he would shake them through the whole store. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, not only is it being a functional tool in the grocery store, but just, you know, learning to match colors, labeling fruit, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and also making a choice. You know, when I taught middle school, we would go to the grocery store once a week, and, you know, the big um, reward was getting to choose a group snack for everybody. So oh, everybody yeah. would get to choose something. And so, you know, they would be willing to go through this, the mundane of find this, find that, and then hey, we get some potato chips, you know, and it just made it all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a time when I was loading the washer and at home. And, you know, even those times I think that I'm not realizing my son is picking up on things 
he is. He's learning. And so yeah. the real eye-opener for me, I was loading the washing machine and putting some clothes in and stuff. And then he started putting like a shirt in. So we kind of looked at that as kind of one of those shared activities. We were loading the washing machine. And then I closed, yeah, and I closed the door and let me tell you, he turned the knob. He didn't turn it on the right setting, but he turned Mm -hmm. the knob and pressed start. And I was so little. And he was so little. He was, I think, three and a half at the time. And I, I had no idea that he had been watching me this whole time and was seeing me turning the knob and pressing the start button. And that's how we got, you know, the water to start. And he, you know, so to this day, it's kind of one of those shared activities that he really likes helping out with. And I think he just likes to see the water coming into the washing machine and stuff, but it's great. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the things that we know about children on the spectrum is that one, they learn in routine You know, if you teach it sometimes one or two times or 25 times, but they will learn it in routine. And the other thing is motivation. And like you said, anything with water or food, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get ice cream if I go to the grocery store or, you Mm -hmm. know, all those kinds of things that there's some um, benefit to them to participating in that. Because we know just the nature of autism is that they're not going to want to do it just because, you know, mommy would love for them to do it or the teacher said, you know, they have to have their own motivation, but we have to find it. We have to find what is their motivation. Sure. And the benefits for your typical kiddos out there as well, I think, can be tremendous. When you're in the classroom and you're teaching, how do you bring in kind of the typical developing kiddos with the ones that may be on the spectrum in building that community? Excellent question. And we do this a lot. We do a lot of, of inclusion and we have peer mentorship programs. And what we really try to do is develop that leadership characteristic in that child. Like you're in the preschool class now, but you're in first grade. So you can help. You're going to read a book to this little one that can't read yet, but you're going to mm-hmm. point out the pictures or you're going to help them um, put a Lego train together. They, they can just put two or three pieces together and you're going to show them how you're going to make a shape out of it. You know, so giving them that next level up, kind of a big brother, big sister sure. kind of thing. And um, even walking in the hallways, we have to walk on the blue tiles going in our school. And mm-hmm. my little ones, you know, they're only three and four can do that. And a Sometimes the bigger kids will, you know, stand behind them. They're like, well, I'm going to help them walk to your class. And they'll walk by themselves. And I'll just be, you know, a few feet behind. And it's just so cute to see because they want to help out. And I think that gives Mm -hmm. them an understanding that if it's about the age of the child and not necessarily even the disability, but just that they can be a helper. Sure. And I have to think that this creates kind of for the future an anti-bullying environment absolutely and that's what we want we want we want that empathy that social awareness of everybody you know of everyone that's not only the child that might be in the wheelchair or the child from a different country um you know or a child with a disability but just you know children don't come into this world with all the biases they get taught those biases so Mm -hmm. if we start out with everyone's being kind and we're just doing the right thing because 
we are, because that's the right thing to do, you know, then absolutely we are going to be benefiting our society in the future. And just as far as conflict resolution skills, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're, you're raising your son and this is how you're doing it. I was like, well, I'm also raising a husband and a father as well. And so I want him to be emotionally intelligent. And I believe he has every capability of doing that, you know, having emotional intelligence and, just trying to instill in him like proper conflict resolution skills, you know, being able to talk about things and being able to handle them in a mature manner. Now he's five years old and he is still definitely a five-year-old little boy, but starting it early enough with, like you said, the assumption that he does understand. That's right. That is always our first assumption. And, um, you know, we're really starting to see the benefits of that with older children on the spectrum, that once they um, are able to communicate through various ways, that they are starting to show us how much they knew all along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard as a parent, um, even when you have a, a three-year-old or a five-year-old or an 18-year-old, because a child with any kind of deficit in communication or social skills, you're still protecting. You're still trying to make sure they're safe in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's there's a fine line between protecting and allowing them to be the person that they are and that you know, that they understand and that they are competent and intelligent and and, you know, age appropriate. You know, I struggle with that with my eighteen year old because in my mind she still needs me on so many mm-hmm. levels. But I'm learning to be the parent of, like I did with my other girls as they grew up, and no, she's not five, she's 18, and I should speak to her like that, and sure. our subject matter should be about that. Even though she still loves Elmo, that's okay. Sure, <laughs> sure, I do too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's, it's like I try to balance it, like with our music. She loves Katy Perry and Elton John as much as she loves you know, the mm-hmm. wheels on the bus. And sure. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You just have to be giving her that respect that, you know, you are competent and you are intelligent. And and back to what you were saying about, you know, the emotions of your five year old and the and the what you're trying to teach him. In my classroom, I try to, um, you know, if there's a conflict where, you know, somebody might push somebody or because they don't have the words and they show a little bit of beginning aggression just because they have limited communication, I always try to first help them understand their emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. at this age. I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm angry, I took my toy. And then from there, um, you know, showing them, to identify those emotions, and then building towards the friendship. Like, even though you're holding the one and only yellow truck on the shelf, and I really want it, um, you are my friend, and, um, you know, we're going to take turns with this. We're going to learn to share. And, um, you know, sometimes just giving them the script for that. Like, I read a really um, interesting thing that said at at a certain age, you know, five and under, they don't really understand the turn-taking and sharing. So to give them the script of saying, when you're finished, I'd like to play with that, you know, or something, you know, along those lines. So not to just, 
okay, your turn, my turn, and taking the toy back and forth, because that can be kind of abrasive for them. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. And especially if it's happening every 15, 20 seconds, no one gets to really play with it. That's it. That's it. So giving them an alternative and then knowing that eventually, you know, and using a timer is always a good tool um, that's saying, yes, your turn is coming up and you'll have that time, but, but letting them not break that relationship between each other, even if they're only three or four. That's so interesting. Do you feel like as a teacher in whatever environment that you've taught in in years past, is this something that is being led by the school as a whole or is it each individual classroom's prerogative for, in, for building community or inclusion? That is a good question. There are, you know, within counseling side of school, you know, you'll definitely have character development and you might have some, you know, puppet education, puppet shows where you're teaching kids how to talk about their emotions or sharing. Um, But that does differ from school to school. You know, bullying, as you mentioned earlier, is, you know, a very um, concerning topic and Mm -hmm. also um, using the use of social media mm-hmm. and bullying sure. um, with our with our older kids, even older elementary school kids, teaching etiquette for technology. Mm-hmm. Um, these these are classic things. I think a lot of schools will have a variation of it. Um, as far as the community sense that I built in my classroom, you know, I just believe from being around children for so long and raising my own and just understanding that, you know, I know our little ones want to participate with their siblings or with other kids. They just don't know how. And so providing an environment that is really healthy for we're all in this together promotes that understanding for everybody in the class. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point with the social media in that sometimes social media can give us a false sense of community, if not used appropriately, a false sense of reality even. And as much as we can include each other in like real forms, (laughs) I think the better, you know, because that only increases our communication skills. You know, there was one time I was eating out in a restaurant and I can't say that this has never happened before in my life because it sure has. But there at a table, there was sitting the mother and the father and their three children and every single one of them were on a on a tablet or phone or whatever, and no one was communicating. So I think that there's definitely a time and place for that. But I think as much as we can, social media can definitely be used for good, but then taking those opportunities to make kind of more active conversations with them instead of using them in a passive way uh, can most certainly help, in my opinion. Oh, yes. Yeah. You see it, you see it everywhere. And even, um, you know, when people are out on a on a date night and both sure. their partners have their phone and like, well, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's starting early. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely we need to we need to get back to that in teaching. Um, you know, technology is great and for our children who are so visual, um, the way that they are learning and the way that life is becoming more normalized for them because mm. you know, the same robotic voice on an iPad or the ability to find your, your favorite song and your favorite show is wonderful, but at the same time, limiting their screen time so that they do have those social interactions. 
mm-hmm. and um, you know, and social expectations for, you know, right now you and mommy are going on a walk and we're going to talk about the trees and the birds singing and, you know, it might be 10 minutes, but this is the time that we're going to do that. We're not going to be hooked up to a device as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been awesome talking with you and Thank I'm, you. I'm really excited to get your book, The Connections, A Journey in Love and Autism. What a great title. Just really keeping in touch with you and hearing all of your success and sharing this journey with you. And just thank you so much for being a part of my autism tribe. You are so welcome. It's my pleasure. We all have something to contribute to this path. Absolutely right. Constantly growing and learning. If you think about it, all daily activities can be turned into shared activities with a functional purpose. It increases our sense of safety, belonging, and self-esteem. It's inclusion for all students or all family members, and it meets our needs to bond. Not only that, but in a classroom setting, it creates an anti-bullying environment. Be kind and include others, and thanks for joining my autism tribe.